0: i'm really excited for this message uh we are we have officially closed our chapter on the learning from abraham series uh i think it was a good place for us to close when we um left off last week of the moment when which he was willing to sacrifice his only son uh his son isaac uh for god and god stopped him and provided a way and um we're gonna actually jump into the life of Ishmael, the life of Ishmael, and Ishmael is actually one of my most um, favorite stories. It, just to jog everyone's memory, Ishmael is Abraham's first son. It is the son of Abraham and Hagar, the the um, the maid servant of Sarah, in which they tried to fulfill God's promise through. Um, uh, in, but in which um, God has a lot more problems than um, solutions for them. But we're going to look at his life, and it's going to be just this, this one talk today that we analyze his life. So it's not going to be a 10-part series like Abraham. Just one day where we look at the life of Ishmael, and we're going to really unpack his story. And so starting off in Genesis chapter 16, verses 11 through 12, it it says... The angel of the Lord said to her further Behold, you are pregnant, and you will give birth to a son, and you shall name him Ishmael, because the Lord has heard your affliction. But he will be a wild donkey of a man, and his hand will be against everyone, and everyone's hand will be against him, and he will live in defiance of all his brothers. So, at this first point, I want us to to unpack Ishmael as rising above unfair circumstances. Rising above unfair circumstances. And within this, this point, I want us to understand that no matter how unfair life can be, you always have the choice to rise above your circumstances. No matter how unfair life can be, you always have the choice to rise above your circumstances. See, it was... I think that this this is the moment in which um, Hagar had run away because Sarah uh, Sarah started treating her badly, and while she uh, was uh, in this runaway stage, God met her, and and had this uh, this moment to her where she said, uh, "Your son will be blessed, um, and you will name him Ishmael, and go back to Sarah, uh, go back to the home." etc., and then this part where it says, he will be a wild donkey of a man, his hand will be against everyone, and everyone's hand will be against him, and he will live in defiance of all his brothers, and it's because of this moment where a lot of people paint Ishmael as like, um, just like a horrible person, every time I've heard a message preached in a church um, in reference to Ishmael, he's always been referenced as the child that wasn't meant to be. He's always, he's always referenced as a mistake. He's always referenced just in a negative connotation. And I want us to take a step back and understand that Ishmael is just not a story. He was a real person, a real person. And I think that the rhetoric around saying things like that is very devaluing to a human being because if we say that Ishmael was just a mistake that he should have never been born that it was uh, uh that it would have been better for for him to not been born it i I think that we're promoting that kind of message to other people that are in uh um the similar circumstances in which that are unhealthy because when we when we really take a step back Ishmael his story looks a lot like uh um, a lot of people's stories that are in a very dysfunctional family relationship to where he is literally the son of a father and a side chick. I mean, how many situations is that how many scenarios are do we see in that today's age? And in as a church as church, uh, and I'm talking about as the church, we should be promoting the idea of life in the in the sense that every life is valuable and meaningful and in the same breath we we say that and we declare it but then in the same in the same breath we will share a message like this and saying that Ishmael was just a mistake well god is a giver of life and i think that even through bad decisions and poor circumstances that god still found value And this negative circumstance that God still found a possibility of redemption even through the mistakes of Ishmael's parents. Because keep in mind, Ishmael didn't do nothing to nobody at this point. He hasn't done anything to anyone, and and he has been talked about in such a negative way, in such a a mistake of a person, uh, uh, of a mistaken identity. And he's really just being attacked because of his circumstances. He's being attacked because of his scenarios. And I think that not only do we, if we see that thousands of generation, thousands of years later, and that's how we talk about Ishmael, think about what it was like in his own home. No wonder God gives a heads up to Hagar saying that he's going to be a wild man and everyone is going to be against him and he's going to be against everyone else because because of his circumstances he he had to grow up in complete adversity he had the the just a complete unfair hand dealt to him and this this is simply god foreshadowing what what happens when a person is born into these kinds of unfair circumstances let's look at today Anyone that has had any kind of mistreatment, especially when it comes to men, what is our natural response to abuse or mistreatment as a child? It's rage. We turn it into rage. And that's what we see uh, destined for Ishmael. And when it describes him uh, being against everyone and everyone against him, is this rage, this rage. And I want us to, to understand that this is... Uh, This is a normal, this is what I would say a normal reaction to his kind of circumstance. But what is interesting about Ishmael is that he truly doesn't stay in this, uh, he doesn't, when we read the rest of his story, we don't see that rage that is described here. Look at what look at what it says in this next uh, verse in Genesis chapter seventeen, verse twenty three to twenty six. Says then Abraham took his son Ishmael and all the slaves who were born into his house and all who were brought, bought with his money, and every male among the men Abraham's household, and circumcised the flesh of their foreskin on the this very day same day. And God said to him, Now Abraham was ninety nine years old when he was circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin and his son Ishmael was 13 years old when he was circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin on this very same day Abraham was circumcised as well as his son Ishmael so even though he is looked at as the rejected son think about thir- this this boy is 13 years old living with a, with his stepmother being in charge of the house seeing his mother be treated as a maidservant and a less than being treated less than just a maidservant because Sarah hated Hagar after this point. So he grows up in this kind of unfair circumstance, this kind of affliction. He's, he's looked at as being the rejected son that Sarah doesn't want to inherit any of the, uh, the promise, any of the inheritance of their, their wealth. And yet in this moment, where where Abraham has one of the biggest steps of uh, callings of faith to circumcise the flesh of the foreskin, it is one of the it's one thing to move somewhere and take your family with you, but this is something inflicting on your own body and something so intimate and private. In A- in Ishmael's thirteen years old, he had the ability to resist. You're talking about most teenagers are rebellious. He had the complete ability to. Re- resist to rebel, say, I'm not going to do it. He could have ran away, said, uh, I hate this house. I hate you. But in this moment, it doesn't show any signs of resistance, but it shows what I see. It shows Ishmael honoring his father and even following the faith of his father. It shows him following the faith of his own father and he didn't use his rage or his, or his bitterness or his unfair circumstances as an excuse to reject God in order to spite his family. See, I think that's something very key because that's just like what we were talking about even before getting on this group. Is that we have unfair circumstances in this world and our natural reaction is to blame God. Resist God. It's all God's fault. In this moment we see Ishmael lean into God through his unfair circumstances. It it just shows a glimpse of how he did not let those unfair uh, circumstances, those unfair treatment, the unfair situations be an excuse to resist God. And again, that is something, especially as men, is our natural inclination. We use our rage our unfair treatment as an excuse to resist God, but we see Ishmael rise above that. Now, I want us to look at this next point, and that is, we we talked about Ishmael rising above unfair circumstances. Now I want us to talk about Ishmael rising above poverty and adversity. And within this point, I want us to understand that some of the greatest tests of our character come from the moments that we are kicked while we're down. Some of the biggest Uh, Some of the greatest tests of our character come from the moments that we are kicked while we're down. Continuing in this this story, it says in Genesis chapter twenty one verses nine through eleven. Now Sarah was the son of uh, son of Hagar the Egyptian. Now, Now Sarah saw the son of Hagar the Egyptian, whom she had born to Abraham, mocking Isaac. Therefore she said to Abraham drive out this slave woman and her son for the son of this slave woman shall not be an heir with my son Isaac the matter distressed Abraham greatly because of his son Ishmael so this moment are we not seeing some Jerry Springer stuff going on i mean this is a very dysfunctional and toxic family dynamic in that, that Ishmael has been living in for 13 years. This is not just the, uh, oh, this came out of nowhere. The same way that she's talking about Ishmael, like get this slave woman and her son, doesn't even address him, doesn't even give him the respect of saying, get your son, Abraham, but it says he doesn't even consider him part of Abraham's seed. It says, get this slave woman and her son out of here. That is not the first time. It, it, this is not the first time in which this kind of talk would be from Ishmael, uh, Be about Ishmael. This has been going on for 13 years, and this is just the tipping point because now it's not that just Sarah has this, this uh, dissension in her heart personally, but now she's using Isaac and their interaction as an exponential reason emotionally to justify the cruelty she was showing to Hagar and Ishmael and in this moment, it shows I really believe it sh- in this moment it shows that people hate us without cause, and one slip up can cause a fight that changes our lives. See for Ishmael to make fun of his little brother, dude, that is not a crime that is normal <laughs> that is completely normal to make fun of your little brother in fact. It's like that's a if that's the worst thing Ishmael did, then he was a darn good brother. <laughs> but it shows that Ishmael had to have been walking on eggshells, eggshells to be able to fit into this family, this family dynamic. And the one when you're in a, a toxic relationship like that, to where one slip up can cause a fight like that to that gravity, to where it changes lives, where it changes the, the household any relationship that is that dramatic, that toxic, it will blow up regardless of what you do. It is waiting to happen. And it is. It, I think that in those kinds of circumstances, if you're having to walk on eggshells like that, if it's that toxic, it is better for you to leave before you're kicked out. It's better for you to leave before you're kicked out. When I was a youth pastor and I am uh, the the biggest differentiation from uh from the kind of advice that I'd give compared to traditional advice is that whenever kids would tell me like these you know paint a picture of this this horrible horrible home I'd always tell them if it's really that bad then you should move out if you can't take it there if it's really uh as toxic as you're describing then you should just leave and become independent. It will come at a big price, it will cost you, but you won't have to live like walking on eggshells, like you you're describing. And those who were making it up or who were exaggerating the the turmoil, they would come back to me two weeks later and say, We worked it out. <laughs> but those were that affliction was genuine, that toxicity was genuine. They had moved out, and it was one of the best decisions of their lives. They were able to have, be free from that that intoxicating air. They were able to be free of that that the that walking on eggshells in a place that you're supposed to feel comfortable. And and truly, uh, and, and in those kinds of moments, it's like you you need to understand those moments where am I somewhere where I'm celebrated or tolerated, and we should not force ourselves, subject ourselves to that kind of toxic environment, because inevitably, just like Ishmael, one day it's gonna, it's just gonna snap anyway, and you're gonna, you're gonna wish you had left when things were peaceful, rather than uh, carry, carrying your stuff on your back uh, because of, a, of a, a dramatic night, one dramatic night at one o'clock in the morning, where everything just hit the wall, hit the fan because emotions were heavy. I mean that stuff happens all the time and it's not that it was just that one night but it's a building up of toxicity it, uh over years and years and years to where one day uh it just blows up so truly it's better for you to prepare to leave in advance rather than waiting for the moment it's kicked out look at this next verse it says so in uh the next couple verses 14 through 19 of chapter 21 Says, so Abraham got up early in the morning and took bread and a skin of water and gave them to Hagar, putting them on her shoulder, and gave her the boy and sent her away. And she departed and wandered about in the wilderness of Beersheba. When the water in the skin was used up, she left the boy under one of the bushes. Then she went and sat down opposite of him, about a bow shot away. And she said, May I not see the boy die? And she sat opposite him and raised her voice and wept. God heard the boy crying. And the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven and said to her, What is the matter with you, Hagar? Do not fear, for God has heard the voice of the boy where he is. Get up, lift up the boy, and behold, uh, hold him by the hand, for I will make a great nation of him. Then God opened her eyes and she saw a well of water and she went and filled the skin with water and gave the boy a drink. So I think that this scene is really intense because the first time I ever read this part of the story, I imagine like a baby being placed under a bush crying. This boy is a teenager. So you're talking about that in their poverty, they they found no place of rest, they found nowhere to go, and they had no water, no food, to where he is so dehydrated, to where she's pretty much carrying him, and lays him down under a bush, as he, can, he can't even move on his own. He's this dehydrated, and walks away from him because she she uh, doesn't want to see him die. This is a, a very morbid scene. Is incredibly morbid and if you've ever experienced lack if you've ever experienced homelessness if you've ever experienced extreme poverty you, you can get a, a a small glimpse of what this scene is like you're talking about a teenage boy crying as he is dying from dehydration and his mother his mother leaves him alone to die because she can't bear the emotions of seeing him die And this is an incredibly morbid scene. And in this extreme poverty, we see God reach out. What it shows me is that not every rock bottom is our fault. Not every rock bottom is our fault. I think um, one of the the most self-defeating things that people think when they're in poverty, especially extreme poverty, is that it's their fault. And truly... There are times where it's of our own doing. It's our own handling of finances. It's our own uh, stuff that get us there. But it's not every time. I think that this verse shows clearly that not every rock bottom is our fault. Sometimes it happens through unfair circumstances. And in the darkest moments of our lives, when we cry out to God, He sees us. I think that that is something incredibly meaningful that we can see in Ishmael. I mean, God... Lifting his voice to Hagar and speaking to her in this audible way. I mean, what a a meaningful, magnificent way that uh, he doesn't even send like an angel to. to, uh, It's like not this. It's like just God speaks to her. And it's such a, a meaningful moment in which we see God reach out. And there are certain moments in which the miracle of provision comes in the form of a lucky shot of an opportunity. Did you notice that that God simply opened her eyes? The well of water was always there. She just couldn't see it. And I feel like in the moments that we cry out to God and we're asking for him for his provision, for his assistance, for his help, sometimes it looks like God just gives us the ability to, to see something that was already there that we never noticed. Sometimes God's provision it comes in the form of wisdom. It comes in the form of opportunity. It's not him. He didn't uh, send a, a barrel of water from a cloud to descend upon Ishmael and Hagar. But he opened our eyes to see an opportunity that was, that was already there. And when we pray and seek God, it's, it's in these moments of distress that praying to God and then looking around at what he may have already given to you. In these kinds of moments of distress, pray to God and then look around at what he may have already given to you. Perhaps He'll open some, you could look at the same place again, but God will give you the eyes to see it in a different way. And I want to share one last verse on this part. It says, and God was with the boy and he grew and he lived in the wilderness and became an archer. He lived in the wilderness of Paran, and his mother took a wife for him from the land of Egypt. So, I want us to remember two things. One, it says that it described Ishmael from birth of being this this boy of rage, right? This, this man of uh, seemingly violence. This man of violence. And we also see this pivotal moment in their life in which God showed his provision through taking hold of opportunity. Those two things you see in Ishmael as a man, those two things shaped his life to where he lived in the wilderness and became an archer. It's like he used his, uh, it's the moment that he, uh, uh, the very thing of his youth, his rage, and the rock bottom moment for his family became his greatest strengths as an adult. The two things of his youth that were the hardest for him became the biggest two strengths of his life as an adult. And what it shows me is that often the things that get us into trouble as a kid are sometimes the biggest strengths when we intention them as adults. When we realize them as strength it makes me think of my daughter jules my daughter jules is one of the most relentless babies i've ever experienced in my life and she literally reminds me of uh that scene from captain america where before he gets all buff and he gets beat up as a scrawny little kid and as they're after they beat him up he gets up one more time and he says i could do this all day that is my daughter. Like, no matter what I tell her, say, no, you can't do that. Go to bed. Do this. Do that. We, you don't behave like that. It's almost like I every time she gets back up, I just hear that in my head, like, I could do this all day. <laughs> and she is the most relentless little girls I've ever witnessed in my life and as a child it is the most irritating thing as a parent it is it the most irritating thing i recognize even now there's times where i literally tell her man you are such a strong little girl you are so strong you are so brave you're so courageous you defy any authority that tries to oppress you i wish i could be like you <laughs> it's it's so impressive but it as a youth it's her big the biggest thing that gets her in trouble but I see even now that it will be the greatest strength that she has as an adult. She has like the qualities of a revolutionary. She she has so much potential and it's all about that strength that right now is unbridled. Just like for Ishmael, his youth, it was unbridled. But as you get older and mature of recognizing it truly, being yourself is a strength, but using it with intention. I want to go to one last unpack one last point and I I think it's one of the most meaningful things about Ishmael and we're going to look about how uh, about him rising above bitterness rising above bitterness and within this last verse I want us to understand that forgiveness is what breaks the chains of our past forgiveness is what breaks the chains of our past it says in this last verse of Genesis, chapter 25, verse 7 through 10, these are all the years of Abraham's life that he lived, a hundred and seventy five years. Abraham breathed his last and died at a good old age, an old man and satisfied with life. And he was gathered to his people. Then his sons. Isaac and Ishmael buried him in the cave of Machpelah, in the field of Ephron, the son of Zehar, the Hittite, facing Mamre, in the field which Abraham purchased from the sons of Heth. There Abraham was buried with his wife Sarah. I think that this is so meaningful because at the end of Abraham's life, it says that after Sarah died, he ended up taking another wife and had other children who he sent away. He he would send them away as they would get older because he didn't want them to have the inheritance of his son Ish- uh, Isaac, and so it, the Bible does not say that those other children came back for his burial. They could have been there, they could have been there, but it specifically names Isaac and Ishmael being at his burial, bearing being at his funeral, and I think that in this. In the moments that we see Ishmael come to bury his father, I think that we're also seeing him face. Uh, we also see him have this face-to-face moment with his brother that he was forced to separate from. And never ha- it never describes Isaac seeing Ishmael again after he was forced to leave. So perhaps I mean, could they have revisited? Yes but perhaps what if this is the first moment Ishmael sees his brother Isaac after being forced to leave as a child as a teenager and the fact that this uh the fact that he shows up to bury his father i mean would you not have immense bitterness towards your father if he uh, if he listened to your stepmom kicked you out of the house with your poor mom and you both almost died out of poverty, starvation, dehydration and you were forced to be a man at a young age where you literally had to hunt for your own food to survive would you not have a sense of bitterness knowing that your father never checked in on you that you never got to have any connection towards to your brother That you have this huge mystery of your life of not knowing. But here he comes to say goodbye to his father that in a sense abandoned him. This act shows an incredible display of forgiveness. And we see directly after this verse how God blessed Ishmael with many children and grandchildren and he it seems that he lived a rich and satisfying life he lived to 137 years old and i don't think that that would it uh, that that would have been possible if he had held on to the chains of bitterness to his past he had all the reasons to be bitter he had all the reasons to go and spit on abraham's grave but he honors his father even at his burial he 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 uh, honors his brother even though he's forced to leave him and he it shows just a powerful powerful sense of forgiveness and I think that's one of the most powerful things that we can learn about Ishmael is in this last verse of how powerful forgiveness can be with that being said, I want us to take a moment uh to to close and if if you at some point of this message resonate with The story of Ishmael maybe especially at this end point you're thinking about forgiveness and after hearing us really unpack Ishmael's story and seeing that what uh, how he was able to break the chains of his past through forgiveness and let go of bitterness and maybe you're thinking about specific people that you need to forgive as I'm sharing this message you're thinking about um, people of your past and you're wanting you feel like the Holy Spirit is leading you to let them go I really uh, urge you to have that prayer with God, just really talk to God and have a prayer of release. Just Forgiveness is really simple. Forgiveness is simply telling God that you don't want those people to be punished for what they did to you. you. You may still feel emotional about it, and that's okay, but really telling God that you forgive them and that you release them from any debt or penalty or punishment that could ever happen for what they did, that's what forgiveness is, and if you need to have that conversation, you feel that in your heart, I urge you to to not let another day go by. Don't don't sleep on it, but really have that conversation tonight. And maybe you're feeling in your heart that you need to have that a simple conversation with Jesus about having forgiveness in the first place. Maybe you've never made a decision to ask for forgiveness um, through Christ, and you've never made an actual decision to put your trust in Jesus. You want to do that today. All you have to do is is simply talk to him. The Bible says in the book of Romans that if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is who he says he is, surely you shall be saved. It says, what it's saying is if you have a genuine heart and talk to Jesus yourself, that that's all it takes to start this journey of redemption, this journey of forgiveness, this journey of having a relationship with your creator. You don't need me to lead you through a pretty prayer. You can have that conversation yourself. So if that's you, again, don't wait another night. Have that conversation today. Um, That being said, I'm going to pray us uh, to close and we'll have our feedback. God, I thank you for this time that you've given us to talk about Ishmael, to learn from Ishmael's life. And I pray that you just um, continue to minister to us and reveal your truth. And in Jesus' name, amen.